0: Your question was how to know the, determine the first thought before your mind confuses you and how are you supposed to understand what, what is the first thought. <laughs> basically the answer is this, that uh, it is an unmotivated one, the thoughts, all all thoughts that come to us are basically motivated in a sense that the moment you see an object, the object creates a thought in our mind. Let us say for example, you see the fan is on and you want to shut it down. So the thought has been created, shut it down. Okay. So you will find that objects in the universe create the thought, which are in the form of uh, certain feelings which come up inside of you. They will always tell you that, okay, you got to do this or you got to do that. But every thought has got its tail, you know. There is one more attached to it and then there is one more attached to it. It's like the fishes, how they travel. The fishes, they have this, uh, they have something which is called a drag. A drag. Don't, don't do that. Please, can you just lift it? So, it's a drag means what? There is a one fish and at the tip of that, other fish this fish at the tail the other fish will catch and then this fellow's tail will be caught by another one and they make a very long chain the first one uses his power of going ahead and the rest of them are just following like a like a good strain so, the first thought normally creates this second one and then the third one and then the fourth one and then the fifth one. So, like that multiple thoughts are coming. So, every time when you know that there are multiple thoughts coming, remember your mind has already come into the picture. And all these thoughts are motivated. It is, let us say for example, uh, there are number of uh, fruits kept in front of you. Okay, you have gone for some, uh, you know, some place where there are number of fruits kept in front of you there are uh, mossambis, there are oranges, there are guavas, there are chicos. there are apples, there are mangoes and so on and so forth so the moment you know when you see those fruits immediately you want to make a choice so you will see which is the best fruit over there and say oh mango good good one okay okay it is it's very nice it is and then you will pick it up and you will smell it can you imagine the number of thoughts that have entered? So many. And then you will say, "Shayad kacha hai, maybe I will take up another one. And then you say, I think, uh, you know, uh, finally, I don't think we should go in for this, maybe I should take a guava or something like that. So all these thoughts have created a number of linkages in your mind and they finally Everything is motivated, so you are still not on track. The moment you come in, you see that thing, you pick up one object from there, there is no thought in it, you immediately start eating it. You are not bothered whether what you have picked up is right or wrong, is ripe or it is raw, Okay, it is green or it is yellow, you are not thinking about it. You have just picked up and you have started eating you will always find that that particular decision which has come about is always the best one and there was one very beautiful story a uh, long time ago where uh, there was this bringing up father was a cartoon which used to come in the papers and uh, the uh, the heroine and she has a husband, so both, both of them have gone for shopping shoes, shoe shopping. Okay, and she's trying out the shoes one after the other, after the other, after the other. Finally, the whole shop is down, and finally, she picks up a shoe and says, uh, I think this is good, build this one. So the shopkeeper looks at her and says, Madam, those are your own. So, now you think about this, <laughs> you you know you have gone all over the world and finally you come to the shoe which is your own. So, thoughts are exactly like this, we go all over the world and finally we come to the first one only. No, 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 first choice is the best choice, we will always come to this. So the thoughts are always, rest of them are motivated. So you see now the first shoe that she sees, oh, this this heel is not proper. Second one, oh, this uh, this uh, attachment to this is not proper. Then the third one, oh, this color is not proper. And the fourth one, so many things, so many thoughts, and everything you are trying to judge. Whereas the uh, mot- unmotivated thought is not you are not judging on it; you're just accepting it, and it comes very naturally. Okay, and that is how you will understand that it is. It is not motivated by any actions per se, it just happens, occurs, alright, that is how you have to see it, alright. So yesterday I think we stopped at 82 is it, clarified butter is latent in the milk but unless it is combined with sugar it's sour agent, right, so we are starting uh, page 612. Sai Satcharita description of Saudi ceremony, we are continuing the same chapter, we are doing the verse 83 onwards. Unless the buttermilk is churned, butter cannot be had and that again has to be heated on fire without which the delicious clarified butter cannot be obtained. What is needed is the strength of the purificatory religious influences since birth and also a discriminatory intellect cultivated by careful study. Without a deep sadhana, the purification of the mind does not come, without which knowledge is very difficult to gain. Now, the process which was described in 82 and 83 is, is like this. We are looking for clarified butter, basically ghee, ghee that one which you use at home. Okay? Now, ghee is there in milk, you cannot see it, it cannot be seen. So milk is like any other thing in this world, you know, every other person is like milk. First and foremost you have to take a little bit of, in, uh, in you know that little uh, uh, dhai from previous times, it is called virzan in Marathi, I don't know what it is called in other languages. You take a little of it and you put it in this milk vessel which is slightly warmed, put it in it and then you let it rest for some time. After you let it rest, it becomes curd. After you, after it becomes curd, it has solidified, then you take a mixer and you whir it. After you whir it, you will find that there is a sort of a, you know, watery level and then there is a thicker level which is remaining. And you stir it still further, you will find that on top, a white layer comes off and that is what is the unclarified, that's not a clarified butter. You pick it up and then you heat it. You heat it to a temperature where the yellow butter remains and the rest of the things which are sediments and all are removed. So that way you will find this is how you make butter, uh, ghee. Now exactly how spiritual knowledge comes to a person. We keep on reading all sorts of different, different books and from the books we have to take only that which is relevant through the Guru who is giving us that little bit of curd from behind. So, what he offers is that little curd which makes this entire vessel full of milk into a curd. Isn't it? How does it happen? You have to keep it in the corner, basically it is nothing but meditation, you have to keep it in the corner in a safe place. You keep on shaking it, it is not going to happen. So anything, any disturbance in the material world doesn't allow you to progress on the path. So you keep it in the corner without disturbing it. Once it has settled into a curd, then you have to churn it. The knowledge which you have gathered from all your sources including your Guru, what do you do? You churn it, churn it thoroughly and from it comes off various substances. One of them is the water which separates out, second one is what we say as uh, uh, buttermilk which comes out and the third layer which is a thicker layer on top which is floating. And this is the unclarified one. The unclarified butter is picked out. That means imagine, after doing so much of sadhana, what we are doing? (laughs) Churning. All different different sadhanas we are doing. And going through what all churning means, how much of churning happens, you know. Once you have done that, then separation is there. Separation into that white thick uh, thing on top. It floats on top that is separated out, again you got to heat it. So how much of sadhana is required, can you imagine, it doesn't end at first place, it is the second step, the third step, the fourth step, again when the sadhana is heated, to the heated level in the sense, a terrible amount of sadhana is to be done, tap as we call it, tap means giving heat, or in very simple terms it is also called tap, tapas charya, <laughs> heard of this word, tap means heat, tap means also heat, we are doing an excessive heating, which is tapascharya. charya, we, we do a terrible amount of sadhana, finally we have arrived at this clarified ghee as we call it, so you understood there are so many steps involved, only when this mind is purified can the true self be realized. It's only with purification, that is how many steps of purification has happened, only then the true self will be realized. Hence, the seeker should never give up devotion to God until he has attained to that state of self-realization. So, you should never give up. What happens is, it's like that, uh, uh, I was telling Padma in the afternoon, I said, you know, it is like that snakes and ladder thing. I'm sure, you know, we have played snakes and ladders since childhood. <laughs> What we do is we keep on putting. Finally, the the coin has come up to 99 and there is a very long snake at 99. And we are so much afraid of that snake. Imagine you have played right up to 98 and suddenly now you one comes. Finished. You have gone straight from top, top to bottom. So the top. And the sadhana has to continue till you have finally crossed over on the other side. Till you come to 100, you should not give up. If you give up somewhere in the middle, there are too many snakes on the way. Snakes of worldly life, okay. Even in the last step, the last step, the attachments can kill you. These attachments are something which you have to be very, very careful with. What kind of attachments are there? Stupidest kinds of attachments are there. The attachment where the great sage, who was sitting in the jungle doing so much of tapascharya, and finally he sees a deer being followed by some animals, so he tries to save him, takes him closer, and finally makes, you know, he is taking care of this deer all his life. Finally, what happens is, he is worried that after he dies, what will happen to that deer? So this one silly action of his, led him to become a deer in the next life, okay? And that is the reason why you have to be very careful even at number 99. So, <laughs> so be careful, alright? So. Dogs and pigs roll in the mire day and night feeding on the excrement. They also enjoy sensual pleasures. But are these of importance even on getting a human birth? It is that penance of observance of one's own duty which purifies the mind and results in the attainment of Brahma which one has to perform while yet in the human body. The words of the revered old people that serves service to the sadhu is an abode of emancipation. While excessive enjoyment of women's company that is lust is the gateway to hell are always worth pondering over. Blessed is the sadhu who always conducts himself righteously and content with food enough to sustain the body, has no desire for a house, family etc. All those who meditate on sigh constantly literally without closing their eyes even for a moment, have marvellous experiences, which is worth seeing. Grateful to them, Sai himself begins to meditate on them. Great indeed is the importance of taking the name, for the Guru himself begins to remember his devotees. The meditator thus becomes one with the object of meditation, both forgetting their own selves completely. Now this verse is talking about the Guru is also meditating on the Shishyas, by the way, that is the devotees. How does this happen? Once upon a time, Narad Muni had gone to meet Krishna and he meets Lakshmi on the way and he asks, uh, he, where is Krishna? So, he says that, uh, oh, he is gone to pray. So, Narad Muni is surprised. Why is the Supreme Divine Consciousness gone to pray? It's very funny. Why should Krishna go and pray to somebody? I mean, there has to be somebody that he is going to pray to. So who is he praying? So he is wondering. Is it Shiva? Is it this one? Is it that one? He is having all his. So finally, after some time, Krishna comes and then greets Narad Muni and says, ah, come on, sit down, have something, and so on and so forth. Narad Muni can't stand it. He says, you know, I have this question. Please tell me. Whom were you praying to? So Krishna says, me? I was praying to my devotees. So, why does the Lord have to pray to the devotees? He says, you don't understand. I am in love with my devotees. So, I am giving, you know, I I want to do their seva as well. And that is the reason why I am praying to them. So, if Ramakrishna Paramahansa used to say, I am the servant's servant. I am the servant's servant. So, this kind of state a person has to bring about the higher they go this is where you are supposed to reach so you should not have any problems of becoming a servant servant as well you know a servant servant means what in in your house if there is a servant now you can if you go and serve that servant (laughs) you will become the servant servant isn't it So that kind of a state where your ahankara is completely destroyed. There is no ahankara left anywhere. See, if you are a servant, you can still say, I am my master's servant, something like that. But if you are a servant's servant, where is the ego? There is no ego at all. And this is the state which Krishna brings about himself. He becomes a slave slave. Okay? Your own deeds you know best. But as for me, I ceaselessly think of you day and night. Such were Baba's loving words which may, which many will recall. That means the Lord also thinks about his devotees constantly. When you think that he is thinking, you know, he is sleeping or something like that, actually he is meditating on the feet of the devotees. This is the strange part. We do not need any tales of wisdom. This Gatha or Kothi or Sai is enough for us. However numerous the sins of our head might be, he is our only refuge in our troubles. Even if repeated readings are not possible, the listener should re- regularly listen every day to those chapters dealing with Guru devotion, storing them in the heart as his precious ornament. He who reads the life daily at any time of the day, such as a faithful devotee, will most certainly be visited by Sri Hari, along with his own Guru Maharaj. So, What is, what is the meaning of these words? Why will Sri Hari visit him? Sri Hari is Krishna. Krishna visits the devotees place when they are doing the Gatha of the Guru and what he has done in his life. See, you have a Guru and the Gurus, when you are doing a particular, uh, like this Pothi that we are doing, you will find that Krishna also comes and listens to it. And this is the part which you have to understand. So. Lakshmi, the goddess of wealth, will always dwell in the house of those who will read it without fail, or at least the poverty of those who complete it reading in a week will be banished. Do not think that I am saying this, for then your mind will be clouded with doubts. It is Sai who is himself saying this through my mouth. Hence, give up all your doubts and misgivings. And it is the story of this Sai, who is the mind of the excellence and the giver of the moksha to his devotees, that the listeners should now listen. For his stories wash away the sins of this Kali Yuga. Oh, how can the poor heavenly pleasures hold their own against such stories as the saints? And who would even glance at them, ignoring the instantly rewarding narration of these interesting tales? Pleasure and pain are states of mind. Again, a very important statement. Pleasure and pain are states of mind the pleasure can become pain and the pain can become pleasure instantly if you want to know that just imagine you are you are talking to one of your best friends it gives you immense pleasure to maybe meet your friend after a very long time and uh, you are sitting in a restaurant and let us say it is a self-serve restaurant and there are two three friends and you are meeting your friend after a very long time you are very very happy and you say to him you ask asking what are you going to eat and so on and so forth and finally what you do is you go and you order over there and suddenly if you come you will find that your friend is discussing some of your very secret issues with other people over there. What happens to you? You immediately have a feeling of, oh my god this person is betraying me, how can you talk like this? So immediately what has happened, happiness has become sadness. So, from one end to the other, the swinging can happen very fast, there is no way in which you can understand. What is giving you pleasure can suddenly turn into pain and what is giving you pain can turn into pleasure. And this swing is so very fast you cannot even imagine. And where does this happen? The object is not responsible for it, remember this, the object is an object is an object. Okay. Let us, uh, this is an important statement, so I will just try to explain to you. Let us say for example, now we are taking the same story, now this friend is talking like this. He is calling out to his friend, you know, oh he is like this only, you know, blah, 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 blah is going on. So you get very upset, oh why is he talking like this? And then you go over there and then you are sitting with a big face over there. So, your friend asks you, okay what happened, nothing, tell me, tell me what happened, no nothing happened, oh you are meeting me after such a long time and yet you are not telling me and you have gone into a huff, so your friend says immediately, see I told you na, he always is like this, he always is very touchy about issues, something which he has never left even today, what is he talking about? You can try your level best to change anybody in this world, but the inherent qualities of that person never changes, never, never. Suppose the person, now think about it like this, can the quality of a pig change? No. Same way, can a tiger become a vegetarian? No. Remember, he is, those are the inherent qualities. So, every human being has inherent qualities, which never changes. So, why are you expecting your friend not to say something bad about you? That is his habit, isn't it? You have forgotten that is his habit. He likes to talk back. But when you were earlier with him, the same thing you used to black, back slap him. Like, hi, how are you? Uh, yeah, were you not happy with that same nature of that person? And what is it that has made a difference today? See, what happens is, many years ago, when when you are just about to get married, at that time, you let go every bad habit the other person has. That means the husband will let go of all the bad habits the wife has. The wife will let go of wife means a girlfriend, a boyfriend, they are there before marriage and they let go of this. But once you get married then everything comes under a scanner. Okay, now Oh, you have this horrible nature of yours, you see? You can't keep things in place. But boss, you came to my hostel room, was anything in place or what? My hostel room was strewn all over the place with All my yesterdays, day before yesterdays, all the dates closed were lying all over the place. At that time you never pointed it out. So what is it that has made a difference today? The thing that has made a difference is we are not tolerant anymore. We stop tolerating people. Okay. So the habit is actually not changed. What has happened is that person is like that only. Can you change that person? No, you can't. This person cannot be changed. But what has happened is these habits which you are accepted earlier are now creating pain for us. That means remember the object is not at all doing anything whereas what has happened is in the mind alone your mind has started creating scenery then what will happen this is our house can you not keep your things in place oh that was your hostel so you could throw about things so you have to become responsible according to each of them responsibility is a part of acceptance isn't it but we don't accept a lot of things. And that is where the problem starts, you know, the rift starts coming very deeper because we think that the other person doesn't understand, the other person thinks you don't understand. And then you don't understand, I don't understand. This one doesn't understand. It is just going on and on for no rhyme or reason, it is just… and there is too much of hot air going around. So remember this, the, the sentence is very, very important. It is. Where is that sentence gone? Which line is that? Where where we doing? Mm. Pleasure and pain are states of mind. The pleasure and the pain are actually states of mind. If you are able to control the states of mind, you will become very tolerant. You will know that that person has a habit like that. Can you help it? No. So, you become more tolerant, got it? If somebody has now, uh, once I have met uh, an autistic child who had come, now can you change the habit of that autistic child? He sits in one place and he makes so much of a mess. Are the parents not tolerant to that child? They are very, very tolerant. The sun keeps on throwing things here and there, keeps on shaking, does all sorts of things. So are you not becoming tolerant? So tolerance is there in every human being. Remember this. We are tolerant towards the people whom we love. We are intolerant towards the people whom we think they need to change. So who needs to change actually? Not the other person, please you need to change. It is your mind. So, first understand this pleasure and pain are the states of your own mind. Don't bother about other people. Don't try to change anybody. Nobody is going to change. Remember this. A pig is going to remain a pig. A snake is going to remain a snake. A donkey is going to remain a donkey. So, don't try to change other people. Change yourself, change your outlook. Try to become tolerant or let it go. Anyway, you are not able to change the other person. I am not saying give up. What I am trying to say over here is, try to understand that person's nature and give that person the methodology of working through that nature of his. Suppose somebody knows to paint, okay, like to paint all all over the walls. (laughs) You have children in the house, they will paint all over the walls. Wouldn't you like to give that child? a piece of paper and beautiful you know colors and all that and say draw on this tomorrow that child may turn out into a very big painter how do you know so are you not channelizing that energies so this is what i meant you can channelize the same energy instead of going waste you can channelize it so knowing that person's inherent nature you need to channelize the energy of that person don't try to push that person in a corner trying to change it. There is a difference what the way how Guru does it and the way how it is done in the material world. What I told you is entirely left to the material world. The Guru hangs you upside down by the way. <laughs> and removes your outer clothing also, means he is changing you inside out. That is the way the Guru functions. So, don't try to emulate him. You can't do that. That's a difficult part. I I am sure if you come in the Guru's shoes, you know, you will bang your head 100 times in the wall. (laughs) You'll become bald very soon. (laughs) So, I hope you understood this line. Everything happens in the mind. Don't try to change. Other people cannot change. Neither can you change. But try to change yourself. Little bit. Tolerant. Hmm? And the company of saints always takes us beyond this, making the mind one with the divine consciousness which has no place for joy or sorrow. The joy that a man of detachment derives from solitude or a devotee from his devotion is one that even Lord Indra or an emperor can never enjoy till the end of time. Pleasure and pain are resulting from the prarabdha karma of the past birth. Okay. is very powerful and a man is destined to act according to his karma. Remember, he is going to act according to his karma. His karma states that he is supposed to behave like an idiot. He is going to behave like an idiot. You can't change it because karma has destined him like that. But even these preordained actions can be easily and effortlessly avoided by a devotee. The one who is a devotee who has submitted to the feet of the Lord. The Lord is going to run through his body, isn't it? So there is nothing that he is doing, the Lord is running his entire show. However, however arduous, bhagirath, effort one might make, the result of previous karma cannot be avoided. It is impossible to free oneself from the inevitable. As the sorrows are unasked for, so also are the pleasures unexpected. And the saints already know the course of events resulting from man's karma, ceaselessly Ceaseless, repeated chanting of your name is in itself a vow, a penance, a charity for us. A visit to Shirdi from time to time is itself our pilgrimage. Chanting the name Sai Sai or Mantra mantra accompanying religious performance. It, this is itself our meditation, this our purascharan, therefore surrender to him single-mindedly. Now the term purascharan let me explain to you. Suppose you have been given a, a magic mantra, okay, the term, something. Om Namah Shivaya or something like that, something, some Guruji who is a much. So this mantra, it has got a particular meter, okay. Now that has to be said for an n number of times. It approximately it comes to about, um, about a crore of times, approximately. Now a crore of times means. In a day, how many times you can just calculate? Suppose you take 20 years divided by and then you translate it backwards, you will come to know how many rounds you have to do of that job. <laughs> so, that is called a purash charana. is a completion, okay? Charan, the place where we are supposed to feed, actually, charan also means the last step, alright? Pura. Purash means completion, completion of the last step, therefore surrender to him single-mindedly. Try worshipping him with whole-hearted attention and guileless love and then experience inwardly this marvelous Leela. But now enough of this tedious monotonous description like a cane-crushing machine. We want Jaggery instantly. All are eager to listen to the previously mentioned fascinating story. Knowing well this feeling of the audience, I shall now curtail the expanse of the story to retain their interest and attention in the wonderful tale that I shall now narrate. I. A poor, dull-witted creature did not even have the skill of composing verses. What I write is only what Sai gets written from me, holding my pen in my own hand. Had not Sai given me this intelligence, who was I to write his story? He is himself the narrator of his own story and he is also getting it written. But now let us continue with the story about the Tsavdi, Handi and the Prasad which I have promised to tell. Listen carefully to the narration. Any other stories that come to mind in connection with it will also be narrated. Listen to them attentively. Blessed is the marvel of Sai's story. Blessed, blessed is their impact on hearing them. By contemplating on them, our inborn good qualities manifest themselves and our righteous feelings swell at size. Now, let us first give the saudi's description and sketch a general outline of the ceremonious proceedings. Every other day, Baba regularly slept in the saudi. One night, he slept in the mosque and the second in the saudi. Such was Baba's regular routine till his Samadhi. Later on, in December 10th, 1909, Baba's worship, bhajan, and puja started in the Saudi. It is this ceremony in the Saudi that we shall now describe to the best of our ability, and by Sai's grace, which will provide the inspiration, it will be seen through a proper conclusion. When it was a night for the Saudi, the bhajan party would come to the mosque, and then the bhajan used to be in progress from the afternoon itself in the Sabha Manda. In the rear would be the beautiful sparkling chariot with the Tulsi Vrindavan on its right. Baba would be seated in front, while in the middle would be the devotee singers of bhajans. These devotees, both ladies and gentlemen, with a fondness for Hari bhajan, would promptly come and take their places in the sabha Some would take up the tal in hand, the others the chibris. Some others would keep time by clapping, some with tabers, others with tambourines would join and thus the bhajan would proceed amidst a great tumult of musical sounds. Sai Samad with the magnetic powers would draw to his feet the devotees as a gross iron and without their being quite aware of it. The torch bearers would then light their torches in the courtyard where some would busy themselves decorating the palanquin. The staff bearers standing ready for the gate would loudly proclaim glory to Sai. The assembly place would be gaily decorated with leafy bogs and flower garlands, banners flying high in the sky and a dress of seats adorned with ornaments, Little children would flaunt their brand new clothes. This is normally the process which is there in most of the ashrams in the world. What happens is, during the evening time, there is a time for bhajan, kirtan and all those, but we take the name of the Lord and there is a loud music and then there might be a small satsang at the end of it or maybe in the middle of it. And then everybody comes and sings on their own. What they do is, everybody participates in it. There is nobody, one particular person who can take charge of it, everybody comes and does that. Even in Baba's uh, times, this was the very norm which was happening. Even during the times of uh, Tukaram and every other sage that happened in this world, even Mirabai, Mirabai would have a very long bhajans and kirtans going on. This is just to take the name of the Lord, it is very, very important. Rows and rows of shining lights would light up the area surrounding the mosque, and Shamkarna, the fine horse, would be standing already at the gate, de- decorated heavily. Suddenly, Tatya Patil would arrive along with other people and come and sit near Baba, ready to th- accompany him. Although Baba was ready to leave, he would keep sitting where he was, waiting for Tatya till he came. Only when Tatya Patil put his hand under Baba's armpit to help him up would Baba be ready, really ready to go from here to Saudi. Tatya would call Baba Mama. That is uncle. such was their mutual affection and there was no parallel in the feeling of affinity between them. The usual kafni covering the body with the baton tucked with his armpit and carrying with him the clay pipe with tobacco and a piece of cloth flung over the shoulders. When Baba was thus ready, Tatya would cover him with a beautiful jelly bordered chela, arranging it properly on his head. At the foot of the wall, behind a bundle of faggots would be lying the tip of which Baba would slightly push back to the moment with big toe on the right foot. At once he would put out the flame there with his right hand and then would he set out of the saudi. As Sai was about to get set out, the musical instruments would begin to play and torches and fireworks of various kinds would at once be lighted on all four sides. Some blue horns or different shapes and sizes, some rounded, some bow shaped, other blue trumpets, some would keep time by striking the metal plates with sticks and others or cymbals and, and the number of those who clapped their hands would be limitless. With the loving devotion, men and women walked in rows to the thronging and the clanging of the veena and the drums to the loud proclamation of Sainam and the singing of bhajans. Those who are staying in Bangalore, they have, they have these various temples of Sai Baba across the place. Suppose you go to the different, you know, JP Nagar and all those places, there are very beautiful temples. If you go over there in the evenings on Thursday, you will find this entire ceremony is happening. They do the, uh, the they take out the, uh, the photograph and they take it to the Saudi. There is another place called Saudi nearby. Uh, near Banashankari also there is. There is another place near uh, BTM layout. So if you ever go to these temples during a Thursday, you will find this entire ceremony being performed over there as well. So in most of the Baba's temples across the world, they do this. Some walked in the procession carefully balancing the banners while others flaunted banners with pictures in the eagle of them and thus they would proceed dancing and singing bhajans merrily. The procession would set out amidst great rejoicing with flying banners, the loud beating of the drums and the metal plates, sounding of the horns, the noisy quavering and the dancing of the horses as a loud proclamation of glory to Baba sounded in the air. In such tumult and noise of the musical instruments, Baba would set out from the mosque as he approached the step. The staff bearers would loudly proclaim Baba's name to the accompaniment of tals, tambourines and drums. Some played the veena, some kept time with cymbals, while the devotees sang bhajan with a sincere love and devotion. As some devotees walked happily carrying flags and banners, others walked on either side of Baba holding a tsaveri over his head and fanning him. Some walked ahead spreading out sheets, some single and some double folded, on which Baba walked while others held in their hands and yet others held the chavri and waved fans. While Tatya sahib held Baba's left hand, Malsapati held the right, Bapu sahib Zov held the large and the lofty umbrellas over the head and so proceeded Baba to the chavri. In front walked the fine, copper-coloured, heavily ornamented halls named Shamakarna, the bells of the feet jangling as they walked. The staff bearers walking in front loudly proclaimed the Baba's name from time to time. Some carried the large umbrella on the head, as others held the zavri. The musical instruments resounded, the devotees held Baba time and again, and as the devotees walked on, even the staff bearers joining in with loud proclamations to Baba with loving devotion. And as they repeatedly held Baba, there was also proclamations of Harinam from time to time. From the tongue of devotees who walked keeping time to the beat of the sym- drum, cymbals etc. This is uh, ev- even across the world you will find that in various uh, big temples and various other places they perform these kinds of various activities. If you ever go to Bengal or any of the places where they celebrate uh, the Durga Puja. The whole day goes in that. The last three days it's really a wonderful scene. You go from, they call it pandals, pand- pandal, <laughs> you go from one pandal to another, to another, to another. <clears throat> and there is activity right from the morning to night. In the same way if you go to uh, most of these places across the world, like uh, when I was in Cusco or in Peru, uh, Lima, the procession was going on for hours and hours. They were carrying the statue of the Virgin Mary across the entire streets. The streets were blocked. There were thousands and thousands of people on the road. And this is a very beautiful thing that happens. If we go to the distant places like Indonesia and other places in the world also, there are very huge processions. There are very beautiful activities that happen. Like the season of Besaki, Baisak as we call it. Is a very big uh, festival even in Bali. There is a Vaisakhi temple over there, Ma Vaisakhi as you call it, and they have various ceremonies over there. Uh, if you go to my page, you will find there are lots of beautiful pictures that are put up, very beautiful uh, ceremonies being conducted, massive ceremonies. So You will find that even in Shirdi also these kind of ceremonies happen anytime if you get a chance to go to Shirdi you can stay over there for maybe during the Thursday go there on a Wednesday evening and leave on Friday you will find this such a beautiful procession and things like that happening as the procession approached the place of assembly the bhajan singers in front who had been shouting Baba's name gleefully would now halt. Then as the thals, the tambourines and the drums all struck together and the musical strains of the bhajans sung so lovingly swelled into a tumultuous sound of music, the proclamation of Sainam capped it all. Alongside walked men and women all steeped in the spirit of joy and love the bhajans generated and produced Sainam loudly which seemed to fill in the air. As the sky above resounded with the music, the heart of the spectators swelled with joy. Such was the glorious spectacle procession of the Saudi, which was worth watching. Its beauty its splendor had no comparison. The radiance emanating from Sai's countenance as he stood in front of the Saudi was like a brilliant glow of red-hot gold, a glow that overspreads the sky at dawn and in the evening. The radiance of his face at that time was like the brilliance of the rising sun or like that of the pure fountain of life. Who will ever forgo such a gain? Oh, blessed indeed, was the darshan at that time of that red glowing face as he stood facing the north with single-minded concentration as if beckoning to someone. Amid the twanging and the clanging of musical instruments, Maharaj, his heart full of joy, would move the right hand up and down repeatedly. With a silver tray full of flowers in the hand, Dikshit, the most excellent devotee, would then shower the flowers all over him again and again. And Kaka sahib would thus keep on showering roses mixed with gulal in his hand all the time with loving devotion. And as he showered the gulal-covered rosebuds, the tambourine tals and the drums would strike in unison with one great tumultuous sound. The villagers and Baba's devotees came lovingly to take the darshan. At such time, Baba's face would be reflecting a reddish glow, quite marvelous and very beautiful. Seeing the play of the radiance of the face, the eyes of the beholder would open wide in awe and wonder. Their loving hearts would feel a very new eagerness as if the sorrow of their worldly life had vanished. Oh, how marvelous, how wonderful was this divine radiance as lustrous as the rising sun. In front of the drums would beat loud and for long. And for an hour and a half or three quarters, Baba would stand in that one spot, facing the north and moving his right hand up and down constantly. Baba's glowing complexion was like a golden yellow in the innermost core of the ketki flower and with a slightly reddish glow in it, the beauty of which the tongue is just not described. Eyes alone could relish it and once Mahasapati was seized with a frenzy and began dancing, one just marveled at Baba's unbroken concentration in the face of it. Sapati would stand at the right holding the end of Baba's Kafni in the hand. To Baba's left would walk Katya Kote, holding a lantern in the hand. Oh, how wonderful were all these festivities, this glorification too of love and devotion. To see it marvel all the great and the wealthy flock together. Baba's beautiful face with the reddish fair complexion and radiance all on its own was beyond description and the eyes of the beholders would be filled with an inner bliss joy as they gazed upon him. Tongs of devotees watched slowly on either side overcome with a boundless loving devotion and a blissful joy which overpowered their hearts. Now in the days to come, no one will ever be able to see with their own eyes such a glorious celebration. Gone are those days, gone forever that time. Memories are the only solace for the mind now. Even in Brindavan, if you are ever there in Brindavan, you will find these kind of activities are going on on a continuous basis. There are various uh, small small clumps of trees out there which are basically, there is a place called a Nidivan Nidhiwan is a place where Krishna used to dance on Sharadpur Nima's day with his devotees, that is the gopis. And uh, what used to happen was the whole place was surrounded by them. It was, it was a place which was filled with small bushes of tulsi tulsi leaves tulsi you know and uh, the whole place was surrounded by those people and they were dancing away to glory today that place is closed after the evening hours because nobody can enter that place it is said that it is believed that krishna and his gopis still dance over there in the middle of the night those who have tried to sneak inside that place and stay over there were never found alive the next day uh, we don't know why this happens, but this is what is mentioned over there. The day I was, I landed myself in in Vrindavan exactly at the time the high the high point of Shalchournima. I was standing bang in the place where he would meet for the first time on that particular day, and the picture of the moon, which is there in one of my Facebook pages is that Sharad Purnima's moon right on top of my head at that point in time. So, you will find these small small pictures in my page which you can see. So, these activities are very very important. If you see these activities. So, during this Navaratri festival also, there is the big Dandiya Raas and all that, I am sure you must have heard that uh, in Mumbai and Gujarat and all those places. People do a sort of a very big activities out there. Even in Bangalore also I think they must be doing. It. So what was that? That is joyfulness. People bring their joy out, they do the celebration, they do the dance. If you have ever gone to, like even the Satya Sai Baba's temple used to be there or uh, all these other sages in India who are there, <laughs> I can't call these people sages but whatever the case might be. They also had these various beautiful people dancing and singing and satsangs and joyous activities going on. That brings about the fervour in the person for this kind of spiritual war. Okay, oneness is there. So in this way, Amid ceaseless melodious strains from the various musical instruments and loud proclamation of glory to Sai, Baba was led to the seat in the Saudi and offered puja with all the sacred rites and rituals. A white awning would be tied, chandeliers, lamps would be hung, and the beauty and the brilliance of those lights would be redoubled by being reflected in the mirrors that were set up in different places. Such was the sparkle and the glitter of that spectacle. All the devotees gathered together and they went to the Saudi. It was Tatyabha who would get Baba's seat ready and then lead him on to holding his hand. And when the most excellent seat was ready with a loud snuff bolt, bolster in the back to recline on and once Baba was seated on it, they would put on him the long outer garments. They would dress him up in fine rich clothes and with joyous hearts offer him puja with great devotion. Loudly they would sing aarti and offer him garlands and bouquets Sandalwood paste would be applied first, followed by fragrant perfumes, then rubbed on his hand. Fine clothes and ornaments would be put on him, ending with the putting on the crown on his head. Sometimes a gold crown, sometimes a fine rich gem-studded turban with a plume would be put on. While the throat would be adorned, with diamonds and rubies, necklaces of pure white pearls would round the neck, would then follow. Unique was the beauty of the beautiful dress that sparkled in the lights of the lamp. Fragrant musk would be used to draw the black vertical lines on his forehead, with a black round mark like the Vaishnavites add to it in the middle. If that rich, heavy purple robe on its intricate jury work in gold happened to slip from his shoulders, it was safely, delicately held in place from either side and quite unnoticed by anybody. Uh, most of the time you will find that baba used to keep these things hardly on for a few seconds somebody kept you know one crown on his head you he would just after a few seconds he would just push it away who uh, who uh, what is exactly happening over there all the devotees what they would do is they would bring their ornaments and gold stuff and this and that and they would touch the body of sai baba and they would take those ornaments back with them understood this is what was happening over there. So none of the things including the shawl which is mentioned, the Jarika shawl and all that, that was given by somebody so that they touch the body of Sai Baba and so that they can take it away with them. The idea was that. So, everybody has their personal reasons for doing those things. So, But Baba was just being very you know, kind to all these people and putting on all those things. The crown of the turban had similarly to be held in place carefully and softly from the back of the devotee who took turns. And though their greatest worry and fear was it that as much as he touched his head he would at once throw it away, yet their eager loving desire for him to wear it was equally strong. You will find this is what he used to do. And could Sai, who was intuitive knowledge of everything, not have known the secret of theirs? But seeing their love and eagerness, he would knowingly hold the silence. What adornment would a gold-threaded rich rich robe be for one who is glorified in the self-knowledge? What beauty could a crown bestow on one who is adorned by inner peace? And yet they adorned Baba with various ornaments of rare beauty and put a mark of saffron sandalwood paste on his head. Some put necklace of diamonds and pearls around his neck. Some drew a mark on his forehead. And Baba indulged his loving devotees by allowing them little acts of devotion. When all the adornments were completed and the crown put on his head with pearl necklace shining around the throat, the splendor, the beauty was unsurpassed. Nana Sahib Nimunkar would hold his Baba's head at a round white cloth umbrella with frilled borders which along with the stick to which was fixed would rotate round and round. Very lovingly, Bapu Sahib would wash his Guru's feet and offer oblations etc. with great devotion. He would then perform Baba's puja properly. Placing a silver dish in front of Baba, he would place Baba's feet in it and wash them very respectfully. Taking a vati of saffron, he would apply the paste to Baba's hand and put a paan in his close face. During the whole process, Baba's face would wear a very pleasant expression. When Baba was seated in the cushion seat, Tatyaba and others would be standing there holding Baba's hand helping him to be seated. They would be respectfully bowing at his feet. Cleaned and spotless, and the floor of the Saudi always was, it was rubbed and scrubbed very ha- hard until it shone like crystal and there came together all the people both young and old who were absorbed in size love when Baba was thus seated reclining against the bolster Sauri fans etc. were waved on him from either side Rao would then crush the tobacco and prepare the clay pipe, which he handed over to Tatyapa. First, Tatyaba would puff at it. When the flame came from the tobacco, Tatyaba would give it to Baba. And after the first puff, Baba would pass it on to Malsapati. Till then, the pipe was finished. It made the rounds from one to the other, another with Malsapati, Shama, Shama, and Tatya. Blessed indeed was the pipe. Inanimate though it was, how great was his good fortune! Even we, the living beings, can never equal the true, sincere services rendered. Most arduous was his penance. In his infancy, it has been trampled upon and crushed under feet as clay. Then bearing the severe heat, it survived the searing heat of the kiln while being baked. With a rare good fortune, it was sanctified by Baba's touch only to bear again the ordeal of scorching heat of the dhuni. After being given a coating of red chalk dust, it was honoured by the kiss of Baba's lips. Then they would then apply it to both hands, a paste of camphor, sandalwood, and saffron, put flower garlands round his neck, give him a bouquet of flowers to smell. He of the ever smiling countenance who looked upon with all great love and compassion, what fascination would he have for such bedecking? It was only to honor the wishes of the devotees that he bore it on. He who had the priceless ornament of devotion and was bedecked by peace, of what value were the material ornaments or gems and necklaces to him? he who was the very image of renunciation by all the necklaces of emerald to him but when offered by the devotees he would wear them around his neck to satisfy the devotees fond desire for festivities beautiful necklaces of golden emeralds and pearls in eight or 16 strands marvelously intermingling with lotus flowers adorned his neck garlands of tulsi and fragrant jasmine lay around his neck reaching down to the feet and around the neck sparkled pearl ornaments of rare brilliance, and a necklace of emeralds with shining uh, gold lockets lay on the breast, while a black, round mark on his forehead enhanced the beauty of the whole personality. How could he be called Fakir? Indeed, he looked more like a great, powerful Vaishnava. Then, the umbrella rotated the fans, waved to and fro over his head, which was adorned with gold-bordered shela. As the auspicious music played in the background, it was usually Joe who would perform the arati with five lights burning brightly. Which would be waved around Baba after the articles, after the puja was performed with the customary five puja articles, he would carefully pick up the large shoyi pancha arati with the light and camphor and wave it around Baba. The arati began over, and one by one, all the devotees would prostrate before Baba and obeisance and go to their respective homes. After offering Baba the tobacco filled clay pipe, perfume and rose water, and taking his permission as Tatya prepared to leave for home, Baba would say to him, "Look after me." Go, but inquire after me from time to time during the night. All right, Tathya would assure him and leaving the Saudi turned homewards. In this way, when all the people had gone, Baba would open up a bundle with his own hands and spread out layer upon layer of folded dhoti's, thus making it up his bed with his own hands. About 60 to to 65 such snow-white sheets would be laid one upon the other and then Baba would lay himself down upon them. Thus the story of the Saudi has been narrated so far just as it took place. Now the remaining story will be related in the next chapter. May the listeners forgive me, so unfathomable is the greatness of this Sai, that though I say I will be brief, no limit can be set and it keeps on growing. Now the story of Sai is Handi and whatever remains from the other stories will be narrated in the following chapter. Please give your whole hearted attention. Ceaseless chanting of the Guru's name is to Hemad, the only real material and spiritual bowing his head at Guru's feet. He has a sense of fulfillment, for it is only at his feet that the four highest goals of human life can be achieved. Will be to all. Here ends the 37th chapter of Sri Sai Samar Satcharith, called a description of Saudi ceremony, as inspired, inspired by the saints and the virtuous, and composed by the devotee Hemad Pant. So we have finished this chapter 37. The next time we will do the description of Handi. So, (laughs) if you have any questions, you can ask me.